Hey, Cornwall Church, thank you so much for joining us this weekend. Really glad that you're here for a very important weekend for us here, uh, not only as a church, but I think for us as individual Christ followers and for really our world as well. If you've been around Cornwall for any length of time, you know that in the summer, we generally do a longer series, 12 to 14 weeks, and we may take a book of the Bible, a passage of Scripture to do a deeper dive into or to explore a, in a different character uh, from Scripture. And we will do that again uh, this year as we're looking at lessons from the life of Moses. And that series was slated to start today, this weekend, but I felt like it was really important that we push pause on that series and push it back a week so that we could have a discussion on racism. And the reality of not only racism, but injustice and prejudice and oppression. And not just in the world, but in the church and in our lives. And historically, these kind of discussions have been avoided in the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking big C church, but not complete big C church. I'm talking about the white American church. And while I can't answer for all white American churches, here at Cornwall Church, this topic is something that has been, at best, sprinkled in occasionally with a, a word or an illustration, but has not been adequately addressed. And as your senior pastor for 27 plus years, the responsibility of that rests solely on my shoulders, and I own that, and I take responsibility for that. And for those of you who've been impacted by injustice and prejudice, by racism, I apologize. And for us as a congregation, I want to say, as I did last week, I'm committed to growing and being a better pastor. And I'm sorry for the disservice that I feel like I've done to our church for not engaging us in this very difficult reality the sin of racism, our part, how we can grow in that. So today, today, I want it to be the opening of a new chapter for us. Now, well, let me tell you about what we're going to do today, because I in no way think that today's time is a one and done kind of a sermon. I, I have no thoughts that this is the silver bullet that's going to fix everything. I want this to be the opening of a chapter that continues on. And at the same time, I'm not naive enough to think that just this time together today is going to change and fix everything. And there are so many different aspects to this, this discussion, there's no way we can even come close to covering it all today. Here's my hope, is that today would be turning of a page for us at Cornwall Church and it would open up further discussion and dialogue that it would be some introspection, some time of discovery, that it would continue this journey for us as individuals, as couples, as families, as small groups, as ministries, and as a church. That it would be just a launching pad for us. Now, if you were with us last week before Pastor Kip preached, I mentioned that we were gonna spend this week talking about these issues. And again, at Refuge, I prefaced it saying that this week we were going to be focusing on this, as well as on our Facebook post uh, throughout the week and other social media sites. With that, there has been some response that has come back to me. For some of you, you've thanked me. Some of you have cautioned me, those kind of things. And there are some of you who are very concerned. Some of you are concerned that I'm going to go too far, that I'm going to say too much, that I'm going to be too strong. 
Some of you are concerned that I'm not going to say enough, that I'm not going to be strong enough, that I won't go far enough. And maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe for some of you, I will go too far. I will say too much. And for some of you, I won't go far enough. So I just want to say, I can't please everybody. I don't always get things right. I haven't gotten this one right. And I probably won't get it completely right today. But I'm going to do what I feel like God has called me to do. And you can write your emails. And here's what I commit to you. I will read your emails. But my guess is I probably won't have time to respond back to all of your emails. I had one person this week actually ask me this question. Are you getting your talking points more from CNN or from Fox? <laughs> Which I thought, wow, the confidence that you believe your pastor gets his sermon material from news media. I know this sounds like the cliche answer, but can we get our talking points, and not just our talking points, but our marching orders, not from a news media, but from the Word of God? So before we go any further, let me give you some talking points and some marching orders for us as Christ followers from the Word of God. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes these words. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. And, and I hope that we get to, to how we can practically do that, how we can mourn with those who mourn, how we can bear with those who are weak, how we can come alongside and carry one another's burdens. But he says, when we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. That's our marching orders. The law of Christ, when Christ said, you know, this is the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and the second is like it. Like this is the way you show that you love God, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. And notice he said neighbor and not brother and sister. There's a difference. He says everybody, your neighbor. In John 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another. And then he qualifies it. As I have loved you, so love one another. And then he says the result will be that everyone will know that you are my disciples. That is the law of Christ. It's the law of love. It's the law of Christ that Jesus followed that would allow him to break down any barrier, any kind of a, a wall, any kind of a separation, any kind of a division, whether that be socially or culturally or geographically or nationally or physically or, or religiously or spiritually. That's why he would engage with a Samaritan woman. That's why he would stay in a Samaritan town. That's why he would have dinner with tax collectors and sinners. That's why he would touch people with leprosy. That's why he would invite into his inner circle of disciples an activist, Simon the Zealot, and Matthew, Levi, who had been a tax collector. That he would reach out, that he would smash down the walls, that he would destroy those things that, that divide, and he would invite them to his table. He would build the bridges, and that's the law of Christ that we're called to fulfill to do the very same thing, to think the way Christ thought, to live the way Christ lived, and to fulfill the law of love. Let me give you another marching order. Out of Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes these words, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. God's chosen people. Like this doesn't give us arrogance. This gives us humility. 
and that we are holy, that set apart to God and for God's purposes to join with him in bringing about reconciliation and redemption and wholeness to our world that's broken and to be so dearly loved. And then he says, so clothe yourselves. Listen, clothing yourself as an intentional act of, of your will that you do every single day. I mean, you decided what you would wear, <laughs> and judging by the looks of it, some of you didn't choose wisely today, your pajamas. Those are wonderful. But we choose what clothes we're going to put on. And Paul says, every single day as a Christ follower, one who's been dearly loved by God, you choose to put these on. You put on compassion. You put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, we could spend all of our time talking about this, but this word compassion... I remember about probably 25 years ago when I first read a definition for compassion that really gripped me. It was by Frederick Buechner, and he wrote this. Compassion is that sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. It's the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. Is this called the truth here? For the majority of us, we will never know what it's like to live in black skin. We simply can't. But we can grow in our understanding and we can grow in our compassion and we can let that cause us to, to act in such a way that it brings about justice, it brings about joy and hope for everybody. You know, Jesus did a parable in Luke chapter 18. And it says that he, he spoke this story to those who were self-righteous and looking down on others. And it tells about two men that go to pray. And one of them prays about himself and says, God, thank you that I'm not like the other people, that I'm not a robber, that I, I'm not an evildoer, that I'm not an adulterer, not like that tax collector over there. Look at all the things I've done. I tithe and, you know, and I fast. And the other man wouldn't even look up. He just simply cried out, have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said it was the posture of that heart. That's the man who went away right with the Lord. How about this one? James, the very brother of Jesus, gives us these instructions in James chapter one. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's kind of the exact opposite of what some of us have been doing on Facebook. We're angry, we've got our stance, and we're, we're gonna say our, and we won't listen to anybody. James says, no, 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 no. You listen. You bite your tongue. And you keep your anger under control. So here's my challenge for us. That in our time today, if at any time in this, you find yourself starting to get a little defensive, if something inside of you is like kind of starting to rage because you're getting defensive, at that point, would you, would you have the wherewithal to just say, put your clothes back on. Put your compassion back on. Put your humility back on. Put your gentleness back on. Put your kindness back on. And if in our discussion today you find yourself starting to say, well, yeah, but what about, and, 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 and you build this case and the exception to the rule and this person, in that moment when you get so defensive and, you wanna, and you're talking back to the screen and you're typing me an email and you're putting something in the chat, at that moment, can you just say, you know what, today, today I'm just gonna listen. I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna get angry. I just wanna understand. I wanna hear 
I wanna learn, I wanna grow. Could we just do that? To follow the example of Christ, to let God's word script how we will engage in these kind of conversations. And the writer of Psalms 139, we spent a lot of time with this, concludes that Psalm when he says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You notice who he's asking God to work on? Himself. So I wonder, if you're comfortable doing this, wherever you're watching, at home, in your living room, in your car, wherever, with whomever, if you're willing to pray this prayer as we engage in this conversation, would you read these words with me out loud as a prayer so that we have a posture of humility, openness, and receptivity? Pray this with me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So today, in the remainder of our time, this is what I want to do. I want to practice what James told for us to do. I, I want to, to listen, be quick to listen, and slow to speak. I'm not going to be preaching. I want us to have a discussion. And I've invited a couple of friends to have a discussion with me and with us. So, Ruth and Benny, why don't you come and join me? Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, being willing to have this discussion uh, with me and with us. Uh, both Rue and Benny were gracious enough to spend some time with me this week. Hey, just so that, uh, so that our church can get to know you, I've known you guys for years. Why don't you tell us a little bit, give us uh, your name, Rashunda. Let's give us your <laughs> name and uh, where maybe where you were from originally, what you do vocationally here in Whatcom County, and your involvement in our community and in our church uh, here at Cornwall. Okay. My name is Rashonda Whidbey, and I was raised mostly in Kansas City. Go Chiefs. <laughs> oh, you and Kip. <laughs> um, I moved to Bellingham uh, almost three years ago, um, and I work now for the Whatcom County. Okay. And you've been involved here at Cornwall. Oh, sorry. I've That's been right. involved here in Cornwall. Um, it, it was really important for me and my son right away to get involved. Uh, we've been doing sound here for almost two years, uh, working with the great team on the weekends Yeah, when we were able to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Vincent? Thank you, Pastor Bob. Um, uh, Vincent Lattimore. Uh, people know me as Vinny. Uh, I, have, uh, I was raised in, raised, born and raised in South Carolina. Um, moved to uh, Washington uh, a little over 26 years ago to attend graduate school at the University of Washington. And I'm currently the CEO and president of a healthier company uh, here in Bellingham. Uh, we do uh, medical supplies, we do scrubs, we do uh, assisted living facilities. And uh, my lovely wife, she also operates an event rental company. And uh, we moved to Bellingham, at least I moved to Bellingham in 2008. Uh, started attending Cornwall uh, Church in 2010. And I really enjoyed coming and getting to know individuals here at the church. Mm -hmm. uh, married to uh, my lovely wife, uh, Roma, and we live on a small hobby farm here in Bellingham uh, mm -hmm. with our cat, Ruben. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were a part of a, a men's group when you first uh, came absolutely, here. Absolutely. And then you're involved in some community things here. Yes. In yes. Uh, as well. You know, of course, the YMCA, uh, Aging Well Whatcom. Uh, and uh, the men's group was really, really instrumental in me really becoming um, more involved uh, with, with, uh, with the church yeah. uh, when, we first, when, when I first moved here. Uh, when we got married in 2012, um, my, uh, my work took me all over Washington traveling. So uh, kind of like it was really, really hard to really get involved in as, much as, I, as, as much as I wanted to right. uh, because of my travel schedule. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things that I appreciate about both of you is your grace with me and your willingness to, to allow me to ask questions, mm-hmm. and, and not just me, but for us as well. Um, I mentioned another friend of mine, uh, Tanya, that I talked to this yeah. week, and she said, Bob, I am so sick of educating <laughs> white people, and I, I know it's, it's a burden, I know it's uh. wearisome, but thank you so much uh, for uh. doing that. Uh, let's just call mm-hmm. things as they are. We live in a predominantly white county. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a predominantly white church. And the reality is, I mean, I was born in Ruston, Louisiana, so pretty deep in the South. But we moved when I was young. For most people in our area and in our church, our um, understanding of black culture and black lives really mostly comes from television. Yeah. And it's, it's, sometimes it's a caricature of what it is to be black. For instance, I, I grew up Starsky and Hutch with, with Huggy Bear. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm dating myself, I know. <laughs> or J.J. Walker mm-hmm. or Arnold on, on different strokes. Or maybe like the Cosbys, which well, you had a doctor and I can't remember what her occupation, but that was, that's not normal mm-hmm. uh, for anyone, let alone a black family. Uh, or you have the Jeffersons. And so it seems like there's always this comedy or we have professional athletes, uh, musicians, actors, comedians. And so we build at times, and I, I hate to generalize, but as white people, a lot of us, our understanding of black culture and the reality for black people is what we've seen on television. And that is not the case for the vast majority of the black community. Um, and that's not necessarily the case for you guys either. And I, I wonder if you'd be willing, uh, Vinny, as a black man and, and Rue as a, as a black mother, to share a little bit of, of your reality. Vinny? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> first, uh, Pastor Bob, thank you for uh, this opportunity to, uh, to share some things and uh, the opportunity for your leadership and guidance on, on uh, tackling a, 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 tough, uh, a tough topic. Uh, like you said earlier, that uh, uh, during our conversation, these are not uh, easy conversations, but uh, these are conversations that uh, my family, we've had these conversations a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, and uh, some of the conversations that we have had as uh, as as a black family, and I'm just speaking in terms of, of myself, is uh, you know what to do when you are uh, stopped by a uh, stopped by law enforcement, um, or you know if you're driving while black, w, you know you know DWB driving while driving while black, um, things to do that can uh, hopefully keep you. Uh, alive and uh, make sure that you are are safe and you can reach your destination safe. Um, and our experiences are, are, at least for me, having a conversation with my family and, and learning what to do and what not to do. I remember my conversation with my mother um, as early as uh, seven, eight years old when I used to go into a store. Uh, her points were, one, you keep your hands out of your pocket. Two, you make sure you stay right beside me. Three, this is a do not touch store. 
Mm-hmm. You don't do any of those things. Yeah. And uh, other conversation, if you are, if you are stopped by, by law enforcement um, for, for whatever reason, um, you know, you want to keep your hands in 10 and 2 position. Um, you want to make sure, at least for me, I make sure that I have uh, things in place. For example, I have a license registration. Everything is out. So I'm, I don't want to be reached for anything. I don't want to be, I don't want to move uh, wrongly because the consequences of that could be, could be something alternative like death. So uh, those are some of the things that, that, that I have experienced being a, being a, uh, a black male mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in society. And this uh, uh, is, is tough, to be quite honest with you. Quite yeah. frankly, it's, it's, it's tough uh, because uh, oftentimes I'm viewed as a threat uh, no matter how much education I have, um, where I live or what I do. Um, it's like, you know what? That's the, sometimes that's the reality uh, that, hey, you know, this person is a threat. Yeah. You know, Vinny, you said, and, and Rue, your husband, Russ, said the same thing, um, that as a young boy, you were given the talk. Mm-hmm. For us, when we said, we're going to have the talk, it was about birds <laughs> and bees. Uh, for for yeah. you mm-hmm. and for Russ as well, the talk yeah. was how to stay alive yeah. just because of the color of your skin. Yeah. That's a... That's a, that's a reality for us. That's a reality. And um, uh, like my wife and I, we have a system in place whenever I go somewhere. Um, I call her. Well, I let her know what I'm, where I'm going. Uh, and once I get there, I either send a text message or call, call if I can to let, to let her know that I arrived safely. And uh, if I'm leaving somewhere, I let her know that I'm coming home. So that if something happens between, you know, between uh, where I am, where I am currently, and uh, my destination, which is home, at least someone will know, mm-hmm. and it can at least uh, start the chain of reaction to see. Okay, well, you know, my husband hasn't called me, so I need to find out what's going on. Right. I, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead, but but Vinny, you were saying that when it comes, you know, like if you were to be pulled over by law enforcement, mm-hmm. there's a great deal of fear for you. Absolutely. You know, when I was talking to my mm. girls when they were getting their license, it was like, if you, you know, if you mm. get pulled over, I never once thought about telling them act this way or you, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and for, again, this is a massive generalization and stereotype. Mm. For me, and I think uh, law enforcement, that gives me comfort. Mm. I have confidence. For you, that brings fear. Absolutely, it does. And it stems from um, um, growing up and having a, um, uh, situations in which I've been approached by law enforcement you know, as early as the age of 16 and uh, being spoken to in a negative way. And uh, uh, a, a few years ago, uh, I was near my home. I was living in Seattle at the time. And uh, not far from my driveway or my garage, uh, I, I, I turned to go into the, the, the uh, little alleyway that leads to the garage where I live. And uh, out of nowhere, cops came and um, uh, sirens and, and I'm like, what's going on? So uh, they follow me in and uh, they make an announcement, say, hey, get out the car, lights blurring. And they're, they get out their vehicles, they get out the one vehicle, uh, uh, two white female officers have guns pointed at me. Um, you know, it's, 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 by, it's by grace that I'm here, to be honest with you. I could have been 
George Floyd, um, or it could have been Ahmaud Arbery, I could have been any other people, the list goes on. And uh, guns drawn, hands behind my head, uh, handcuffed and put in the back of a car. Uh, and not asked for ID, didn't give me a reason why, they did what they did. And uh, the first question I was asked was, um, you know, do you have any warrants after 20 minutes later? The first question, do you have any warrants? And I'm like, well, you, don't, you didn't say my name. You don't know who I am. Uh, you haven't even given me a reason why you even stopped me. So, uh, uh, you know, well, you fit the description of someone who was brandishing a gun coming up the road. That, that, that was the call that came in. Your vehicle matched the description. Although never, uh, 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 no weapon was ever for, uh, found in my vehicle. And uh, uh, my license plate said, well, it was one number off. So. Whenever I, whenever I see law enforcement, or it's, it's a different reaction because that experience for me is seared into my memory forever, sure, sure. forever. So um, uh, yeah, I get nervous. Yeah. I, get, I, get, I, get, I get concerned, yeah. especially even, even if it's just seeing law enforcement, it triggers something in me because of, because of various experiences. Yeah. Well, not to make light of that, we get nervous too, but it's for a totally different reason. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get a ticket, but yeah. yours is really yeah. Uh, yeah. far deeper than that. Yeah. That's the reality for us. Yeah. Rue, as a, as a black mother, mm -hmm. uh, you have a daughter, you have a son. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, before I even start, like, I'll piggyback on what Vinny said. Thank you for having this conversation. And I like the fact that you said you may not get it right, you may not <laughs> phrase it right, because it's true, you know, and it's a hard conversation to have, but a necessary one. Mm -hmm. um, but before I forget, I want to mention another book. Um, it's called, So You Want to Talk About Race. And like, that's why she wrote the book. And she actually is from Seattle, lives in Seattle, and went to school here at Western. So mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. good. Um, but yeah, as a black mother, you know, before I even get to motherhood, just being a black woman, you know, we are so, so many of us are trained to, and it's inbred in us that in order to make it in society, to be accepted by white society, um, you know, we have to lessen ourselves. You know, we don't, don't talk so loud, don't be so black, don't be um, all these things that may make us be considered the angry black woman, you know, and so, we are learned, we are conditioned to uh, make ourselves be smaller. And, you know, in conversations with my mother and daughters, like these things are passed down, even unconsciously throughout generations. And um, when I was talking to you about my daughters, like how she, I watched her struggle with um, accepting whether she was beautiful or not, you know, it's because um, my mother says, gives the example of the brown paper bag test. You know, if your skin is darker than the brown paper bag, then your skin is ugly. You know, so the more melanin I have, society sees me as ugly. Mm. And, you know, if my hair is long and blonde, then I'm beautiful. And well, my hair is short and kinky and black, you know, and so those are things that are just naturally inbred in us to believe that what God has given us is not beautiful and we're not worthy. Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant struggle as a woman, as a, a black woman 
to find my value, to find my worth, and to know my worth. And, you know, it's, I found it even more challenging as a woman trying to teach my daughter that she is beautiful, she is worthy, she is valuable, when everything that she saw in the world told her a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I shared with you, like, that was my experience raising my daughter. And then later, a few years later, I gave birth to my son. And, you know, most mothers, like, when we give birth to our children, we are overjoyed and, like, you know, we gave birth to this beautiful baby boy. Um, but for black mothers, when we give birth to our sons, yes, we have that joy and it is true joy, but in the background, that fear is already set, you know, because we know the type of things that they'll face. You know, it's challenging as a black woman, but even more so as a black man. Mm-hmm. And as a mother, you know, from the day my son was born, there was always that underlying fear of when will my son become a threat to someone? At yeah. what point? Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of studies out there now that even show that as preschoolers, our boys, our black boys are viewed as more of a threat than any other child and um, you know again we try to teach our children like like Vinny was saying this is how you act when you're in front of white people and this is these are the things that you need to do to basically try to survive and it's funny because like we don't even phrase it that way but we already know that this is what we do and I know I shared with you that when my child when my son when he was younger, when he wanted to go out to play, you know, it was always, you want them to go, but then there's always that fear of who is, who is he going to encounter? Like, what's going to happen? And then, you know, how many parents fear yeah. when their child just says, hey, mom, I want to walk to the store to buy a candy bar. How many parents fear whether their son is going to come back home, whether he's going to come back home without someone calling him a racial slur without someone interrogating him, without someone pulling over him, pulling him over, or whether he's even going to come home alive. Yeah. And I wanted to share also the reason I moved to Whatcom County was for my wonderful husband. And we got married just a little over a year ago. We just celebrated our one year anniversary. And I remember when I was thinking about this, I remember after we got married, I was looking through our wedding photos. And I joined this um, online group where it's like your neighborhood. And so you, if somebody is selling something or somebody <clears throat> sees something, like it's like an online neighborhood watch, basically. And I decided I wanted to join this group. But the first thought I had when setting up that profile is I need to put a picture out there so they can see what we look like. Mm. So in case they see my son, they know that he's, or hopefully they will recognize him and think he's not a threat. Right. You know, and most people, when they're setting up profiles, they're doing fun pictures. But no, I wanted a picture where we were all dressed nicely and looked presentable. Yeah. And so, like, that's, these are the constant things that we have to think about. Right. Yeah, and that, and that point, Rue, is that it's always on your mind. It's always on your thinking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I'll, I'll call this ignorance or... Uh, ill-informed. I think there's a lot of white people, again, I'm, I'm generalizing, but they think, 
Well, wait a second. There was the emancipation. There was the civil rights movement, and especially here in Whatcom County, because there's predominantly white. We think that's it's not an issue, but it is. Absolutely. And the reality, Vinny, if you and I walk into the same store, mm -hmm. even driving similar cars mm -hmm. with the same amount of money in our wallets, their loss prevention team is going to be looking at you, not me. That's Absolutely. just a reality, even in Whatcom County. Mm -hmm. And, yes. and Rue, um, I mean, I know your son. He's 15, mm -hmm. great young man. Man, when I was 15, I was a great young man too. <laughs> but I was 15. <laughs> and the reality is, if I was doing something, snooping around a neighbor's garage or barn or whatever, and the owner came out, he might yell, hey, you kids. And, and my biggest fear mm -hmm. is that he would recognize me and tell my mom. Right. If your son is doing the exact same thing, it's not just a, hey, you kids. The biggest fear is he might catch a bullet in the back of right. his head. Yeah. And to have to live with mm -hmm. that reality. Yeah. And, and Pastor Bob, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing like a mother's love. Uh, if the whole world uh, is against you, there's always one person that's for you. Yeah. And that's a mother's love. Yeah. Amen. And no one wants to bury their child. It goes against the circle of life. Yeah. No one wants to bury their child. No matter how old I get, I'm always the baby boy of the family, yeah. the baby son, the baby child. And that love is, is just, it, it's just it's so powerful. And death is already complicated. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. And things just happen. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, um, that you know, I think about often. Uh, think about that day that I was uh, um, uh, held at gunpoint and uh, I'm saying to myself, you know, I could die. Mm -hmm. You know, I, this, could be, this could be it. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to my parents. I didn't get a chance to talk to my brother, my sister, mm -hmm. uh, friends, family. And uh, those are things that, that goes, it goes on in your mind. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's powerful. And no matter how old you get, you will always be your parent's child. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let's, um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the black community mm -hmm. on a, on a, a, a broader scale. Um, sometimes there's this question of when something tragic happens, the murder of, of, of George Floyd, mm -hmm. tragic. But there's this question, generally from the white community, yes, that was tragic, it should not have happened, it, mm -hmm. was, it was horrible, but why the massive reaction? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and Rue, we talked about that, and, and you introduced me to a, a phrase or a term that I'd never heard, tell us about that. Yeah, it's, okay, so let me, I wanna get it right. It, it came from a conversation that um, Dr. Anita Phillips had with Christine Kane, and you can Google it, it's on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half long, but it's called the trauma-informed response. Trauma-informed response. Yeah, and you know, basically what she was explaining is that, you know, and when someone has been traumatized by whatever, whether like, you know, their house was burglarized, uh, but she used the example of um, when a woman is violated, you know, you don't go to that woman and say, 
well, why do we have to talk about it? Or, you know, well, what about this? Or it was the way you were dressed. You know, when you want to comfort that person, like you create a safe space for them. Well, number one, you believe them. Like you let them have their voice and you let them speak. So, you know, empower them to uh, express themselves. And number two, you create a safe space so that they, you know, feel like you are a person that they can confide in and they can relax around and don't have to worry about, you know, what they say or how you're going to respond. And then number three is, you know, don't be offended. Don't take it. It's not a personal attack against you, mm -hmm. you know, but be that safe space, be that safe person for them and like, put your personal feelings aside and just, right. just hear us. Right. So in the same way that if, if a child had been abused, uh, if a woman had been violated, if to a certain degree, if there was some post-traumatic stress disorder, <clears throat> yes. we would expect, okay, that was a trigger for them. Mm -hmm. What I hear you saying is the entire black community, because of hundreds of years of history, yeah. lives with a post-traumatic stress disorder. Is, is that pretty accurate? Absolutely, yeah. When we see those things on TV or hear about in the news, or not even that, when we hear of our friend or family member that experienced it, like it triggers something in us. It, like we automatically feel that pain all over again. You know, it's like, I've heard the example of like that wound that just gets reopened all yes. over again. Yeah, you know, Vinny, when we talked last week, you were talking about the history, just thinking of what your parents went through. Not only what you've went through, what your parents faced, right. what your grandparents mm -hmm. faced. And so all of that brings that back up. It's not just an incident, right. an individual isolated incident. It's a long history of injustice. Yeah. It's accumulation of a lot of things. Um, when, you, when you look at, you know, the history uh, from, uh, when you look at uh, the history from, you know, 1619 to 1865, the, uh, the uh, slavery period. When you look at the history from 1650, uh, 1865 to 1954, the segregation period. Then you look at from 1954 um, to today, present time, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of pent-up frustration from a lot of individuals. Yeah. Uh, and seeing the things that have been occurring in our society right now uh, uh, has given me some hope. And with the, with the tragedy uh, death of, um, of uh, George Floyd uh, last week, as a black man, I felt a lot of emotions, mm -hmm. just being straight honest with you. I felt a lot of emotions. I felt anger. I felt fear. I felt, um, I felt rejection. I felt like, what are we doing mm -hmm. as a society? Uh, and I had to come to, uh, to, to some internal conversations with myself to say, you know what, maybe I need to, you know, take a, take a just relax. And maybe, I'm not at a point where I can go out and, and speak to someone right now or, or entertain something because right now my heart is, is heavy. Mm -hmm. It's really heavy. So I had to take a step back. And I remember talking to my staff. Um, which is, you know, you know, have an all-white staff. And many of them, I don't think any of them have, has had an uh, African-American supervisor or boss right. or work for someone 
who looked like me. And I wanted to explain to them or share with them some of my personal experiences that I do and I have to go through and what I do on a regular basis. Uh, um, even when I go and visit my office, it, whether it's a Saturday or a, or a Sunday or, or in the daytime or at nighttime, I want to let them know that, hey, when I, when I show up to my office, when I show up here to the store, if someone is outside, I'm going to rattle my keys to make sure that they understand that this is where I'm supposed to be. I have a key to this place. I turn on all the lights. We have cameras because the cameras are there um, you know, for the safety and, and, and well-being of all the employees, but it's also, also there for my safety too because I want a set of eyes. Uh, if something had happened to me when that situation, when I was with the officers that, that particular day, um, there was no body cameras. It would have been my word against their word. And uh, who knows what would happen, you know. Yeah. History has shown that, you know, chances are, you know, pro our problem would not be believable, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. So, uh, but those are things that, that are, that are uh, uh, in my mind yeah. as we go through yeah. the day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, let me shift gears again and uh, address the vast majority of people watching right now are white. And I think most of them would say, I'm not a racist. I don't use the N-word. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a racist. They, most people would say that. But I think that there's levels of, of bias, uh, stereotypes, jokes that get an easy laugh at someone else's expense, mm -hmm. and definitely blind spots uh, for us that while I might say, you know, I'm not a racist, I'm not, you know, flying this flag or doing these yeah. things, there's, there's still this underlying, it, it's a form of racism that we, it's not a conscious thing at times. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Sure. How do you think, and I just want to learn, and I want us to learn, how can we grow uh, in that to be progressing beyond that. Um. There is a, uh, it's one thing to be non-racist. Uh, then there's another thing to be anti-racist. Yeah, that's good. And there are people who can sympathize with you. They say, well, you know, oh, I am understanding. I hear what you're saying. I'm so sorry. However, then there's, there's, there's you know, people who will step up for you, who will be an ally for you, who will use their platform mm -hmm. to say something, who will correct someone when something is not working right, uh, who will be with you in the trenches and say, hey, you know what, I am with you no matter what happens because Lord, I believe in you and you, know, you are a person. You know, your life does matter to me. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's, that's important. That's really important to have that ally. And, 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 and we're, we're seeing this, this movement that's happening all across the world, mm -hmm. all across the world, mm -hmm. uh, not just here in our, in our community, but all across the world, uh, whether it's uh, in, a, in, a, in the entertainment industry, corporate America, sports, uh, even the churches. There's a movement that's happening. And, uh, you know, it's important for people to really understand that, um, you know, as a, as a black male, you know, my life does matter. You know, black lives matter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we truly understand that. Mm -hmm. And some people have issue with that. Mm -hmm. I understand. But we all are here 
We're, we're all created in God's image. Yeah. And that's very, very important for us. Yeah. That makes me think of something, and Ruth, something you said. Um, so sometimes people say, well, well, we need to be colorblind. No, we don't. <laughs> because God made you black. Mm -hmm. So to be colorblind and to, to try to not see right. that is to, to say, I want all flowers to be gray. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And right. Is that... Is that accurate? It is very accurate, you know, and my mother and I talk about how when people say, you know, I don't see colors, we just cringe inside, you know, like I was saying in the beginning, my black is beautiful. I want mm -hmm. you to see mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. as I am, you know, and not try to make me conform to something else. And I like that Vinny said, you know, black lives matter and how people take issue with that. And I like that you said, like, this is not a political conversation and that no, is sir. not a political statement. Right. You know, when you look at the range of how people are treated or like how race is viewed, white is here and black is at the bottom. So, you know, what we are constantly trying, what we're trying to get people to see is that until you value what you see at the bottom, nothing in between can really matter at all, you know? So see me, see my blackness and like address whatever biases that you are actually feeling. Like don't run away from it, let's, let's deal with it. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, Cornwall, I think for us to hear, to not just be sympathizers, mm -hmm. but to be allies, uh, to recognize within our own uh, biases, uh, when we hear that joke, that it, to just to call it and yeah. say that yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tolerate the zero tolerance on that. Mm -hmm. Those are some things that that we can do. Um, Vinny and Rue, I, I want to give you an opportunity, <laughs> and I just want to say, Cornwall Church, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen right now, <laughs> but uh, you're a part of this church, and I want you. What would you want to say? What do you want your brothers and sisters in Christ? who are a part of the same faith community as you, what would you like to say to them? And I don't care who goes first. Okay. Yep. Uh, man, um, there's a whole lot I would like to say, but of course we have uh, a time constraint. But you know, first and foremost, like I said earlier, just we, we really want you to hear our hearts. Like we're not, this is not an anger thing. It's not um, political, just, hear us, hear what we're saying. And once you hear us, then the work starts as, you know, do the research. And right now, Google is blowing up, so it's not hard to do. <laughs> no, you know, not. if you check the New York Times bestseller list, if you want to read books, there are books available. And another one is um, how to be anti-racist. Like there's literally a book called how to be anti-racist. Um, so do, do your research, read the books, read the articles, watch the documentaries, watch the, the movies, like whatever it is that you like to do, I guarantee you there's something out there that addresses race. Mm -hmm. And like once you read the books, you know, take action. There, there are things for you, everybody has a part to play. There are things for everyone to do. Um, but as Cornwall Church, my heart for you guys to hear is that this is not an outside issue. Like, we are members here. Like, we are active 
here. Like we are your family. We are the body of Christ. Yeah. And you know, First Corinthians 12 talks about the body. Like not one part is greater than the other. Right. So that's something that we can live out right here at, at Cornwall. And then um, I was talking with my son when we were discussing this and he was just like, I just keep thinking of, you mentioned the story of the Good Samaritan and the verse that leads into the story of the Good Samaritan is like the, the greatest commandment. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. We're your neighbors. You know, so do your research. Remember that we're the body and we are your neighbor and yeah. we need you. Yeah. And we need you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Vinny? Well, um, you know, just uh, piggybacking what, uh, what uh, uh, Rue talked about is uh, uh, the church is, uh, is full of many different people. And when you look at the body of, body of Christ, um, you know, there's equality there. There's equality. And for, when I look at, uh, you mentioned it earlier that uh, first, realizing that, uh, realizing that uh, racism is a sin. You know, racism is a sin. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, God's glory. Uh, realizing that, I think that's, 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 that's the first step. And be open to learn, be open to talk, be open to uh, looking at individuals as individuals. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's very important. Uh, when you look at the mission of Cornwall, uh, the uh, you know, come and see, community, uh, go and be. Uh, Cornwall has an opportunity to think outside of the box. As, as, as is stated, uh, to be a leader, to do something different. Uh, as a black male, I've gotten comfortable, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. Now it's time for other people to be uncomfortable. Amen. And have those hard conversations. Look inside your heart and say, you know what? Uh, maybe I am a part of the problem. Maybe I can do something. Maybe I can change the way that I think. Maybe I can engage into in conversations or learn a little bit more history. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can read, a lot of things that, that uh, uh, people can do, uh, but this has to happen on the inside. Something has to happen deep down inside to say, right. you know what? Hey, you know, something's just not right. Something's just not right. And, and, and when, when, when you see people out there uh, doing, you know, protesting, solidarity, solid, solidarity marches, uh, peaceful marches. Uh, and a lot of people don't look like me, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. You know, happening in Europe, France, uh, all over, Australia. And uh, it's a movement, it's a movement, it's a movement uh, uh, that uh, at least I haven't seen uh, in my lifetime. Yeah. And it's very, it's very powerful, it's very powerful. So I, I would hope that people would be very understanding and um, if someone wants to have a conversation, I'm open, you know, at, you know, the barn is open, Pastor Bob, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> come on over. We, we, we have a conversation and, and, and we can, we can have a, you know, we may not agree on everything, but at least we have a conversation and say that, you know what? I put my shoes on the same way you put your shoes on, yeah. you know, 
I pull my pants up the same way you pull your pants up, mm -hmm. you know. Um, just love, just, yeah. you know, love your brother, love your sister. Yeah, you know, I, w I wanna read this verse out of Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. Mm -hmm. And it's when John gets a vision of how things are gonna be mm -hmm. someday. It says this, after, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people and every language standing before the throne and before the lamb. It's his vision of heaven. It's not color vine. It's not a melting pot. Right. We're all there the way God created us, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. What John saw that vision of, Jesus said, I want that here and now, not just someday. And that we could uh, be the body of Christ that way. And, and that's the goal. Yeah. It reminds me of something that my, uh, my mother used to say. Um, and uh, she used to say that, uh, you know, if we can't live together here on earth, um, how can we live together in heaven? And her response will say, she will also make the comment that, well, maybe, maybe some people aren't going to heaven. <laughs> so, so she used to uh, uh, make that comment. But you know, there, there, there's a little bit of truth to that. There's yeah. truth to that as well. Uh, I, that reminds me of that, that old that thing. To live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. Yes. To live below with the saints we know, now that's a different story. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. It, you know, it's the grace, like you say, Benny, at the foot of the cross, it's equal. We're all yeah. fallen sinners. We're all redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. And it's his blood that, that allows any of us to have the grace and to be brought into his great family. All right. So let's, let's kind of round the corner. I know we're, we're out of time, but man, thank you so much. Let's talk about some, okay, so what? Now what? Some next step type stuff. Uh, as I said, this is not a one and done right. uh, for us mm -hmm. here at Cornwall Church. I, I make that commitment to you two, as well as to our congregation, uh, that this is something that we will continue to, to look at and to engage in and to, com to converse about. But uh, I know that the, for some of us, we're saying, okay, well, how do I be an ally? How do I be an advocate? How can I learn? And you've mentioned some things. Do the research, read the, the history. I put on my Facebook post the, the movie, uh, Just Mercy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Stevenson, uh, unbelievable movie. Even if you say, well, I'm not a reader, watch the movie. Um, <laughs> right. yeah. Rue, you challenged me this week to watch the documentary, White Savior. Um, I just got done reading a, a brand new book. I read it this week uh, called The Color of Compromise, mm -hmm. the role of the church in mm -hmm. racism. And it, it gives a long history that the church not only was complicit, they were actively involved mm -hmm. in some of the foundations that still exists today. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the, the, uh, that book, they gave this little acronym, ARC, 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 like this, this ARC that will save us, this long-reaching ARC, and that's awareness, relationships, and commitment. And so I would say the awareness is doing the research, like you said, reading the books, watching the films. Um, there's a ton of stuff out right now, especially. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And then the relationships and to engage in relationships with people that don't look like us. Mm -hmm. And then the commitment to being an ally, to be an advocate, to, to be anti-racist, and to bring about the kingdom of God uh, to bear in our, in our world. 
And that's what I long for. It's what I long for for me and for us. Amen. So, Vinny, Ruth, thank you guys so much. Uh, really you. cannot thank you enough. Thank you. Um, and uh, we will continue on. Um, let's, uh, let's pray, all right? Oh, Father, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. And we know that every single person that is watching right now was created in your image of incredible worth and value that they matter. And God, we thank you for every, every life. And we thank you for the black lives that have been for so many years seen as lesser than, not as valuable, that they do matter. They're created in your image. God, I pray for us that we would be quick to listen. I pray that we would fulfill the law of Christ, that we would love. I pray that we would be agents of change and of hope, of healing, of reconciliation, a safe place. Lord, I pray for that in our families. I pray for that in our congregation and that we would be able to be another part of bringing your kingdom to bear here to answer that prayer, Jesus, that you prayed, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you for my brother and my sister today. Just pray that you would continue to bless them. We pray this in your great name. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks again. And Cornwall Church, thank you so much uh, for listening in. And I want to challenge you to continue on in the discussion, uh, to continue on in learning and growing, and to continue uh, becoming who God has created you to be and for us to be and all for his glory. God bless you. Have an incredible week and continue the conversation.